0: All right, so ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. I'm Terry Lynn here with Travis Marziani, and today we're going to talk about uh, five ways to mess up a Kickstarter launch. So uh, as you guys know, I just launched this week, so we'll talk about what went wrong and kind of some stuff that's going right and kind of what the game plan is going forward. So before we get into that, uh, Travis, you're doing a meetup soon, right? What's the deal with that?
1: Yeah, so I finally broke down and actually got a meetup.com group going, and my plan is to do multiple meetups a month. In the past, we were only doing the one meetup uh, once a month. We do brunch. We're still going to do that. It, we're actually doing it, I think, the same day that this episode's coming out, May 3rd. So it's usually going to be the first Sunday. We'll always do brunch. But another thing I want to start doing is what I call s- steaks and suits, which is basically we get a bunch of our e commerce, internet marketing people together. Uh, we dress up, like, get some nice suits, go out and get some steaks, and like, have a good quality dinner together and the idea is kind of like to treat ourselves like you know i know as entrepreneurs uh, especially internet marketing entrepreneurs you don't ever dress up anymore which is nice it's nice to work in your pajamas every day but i think it'd be kind of cool to wear a suit every once in a while like maybe once a month at most so i'm excited about that
0: yeah i do kind of miss my suit sometimes but when i realized the hassle Goes in it, I'm like, ah, I wear it once and I'm like, Yeah, all right, I don't miss this that much anymore. But yeah, maybe once a month with cool friends, who knows,
1: right? That, and that, yeah, exactly. So it's like you're wearing a suit to go out with your friends and like have some good dinner, and then afterwards, the plan is anyone that wants to go out and get some drinks, like go out on the town looking, you know, extra spiffy, I think it'd be kind of nice. So the first one's going to be May 16th, just to let everybody know, exactly.
0: And so for me, uh, obviously, I launched my Kickstarter, we're at around almost 10% now, uh, 1800, 1900-ish, uh, averaging around 400 per day, so a little bit slow, but if I keep this up, it's on track around day 40-ish, uh, depending on that, uh, how you know things spike or thing how things go, and then uh, we'll just keep pushing it. And before we go into this episode, a quick shout out, now we have two listeners that also have campaigns running, uh, I just got noticed uh, earlier this week. And when I sent the blast out there, I was like, hey, I also have a campaign running. So, first one goes out to David Humphreys, a fellow e commerce mafia member. He's got a campaign called Real Winder. Uh, it's basically a fly fishing tool that helps you clean, change, and store the flying line. So, uh, I actually have no idea how fly fishing works, but I'm going to link to it because he's a supporter. And so check it out on this episode. Uh, go to the show notes and then I'll post a link in there too. It's called The Real Winder. And second one is called The Rostrum Camera Stand by a former guest, Lex McCall over at Moto House. Uh, so he's a professional photographer and he sells some camera gear. And he has a project where uh, it's a stand that you can take overhead photos with your smartphone, essentially. So if you look at magazines or some Instagram accounts where you know people take a picture of their breakfast or like laptop from like a top-down angle, and when you take it with a camera, usually you'll get some shadow of your feet or like, you know, your hat. So this camera stand, basically you just put it on top and then it's a direct top-down uh, type of thing for people to do in the photography and all that stuff. So this is called rostrum Camera Stand. And The Real Winder, uh, we'll link to these in the show notes of this episode. So number one, uh, not focusing on email lists early enough. So one thing I found interesting was that when I was, before I started, I asked some people, uh, you know, how many of the people... In your backer list are people that you actually know, and they were saying, yeah, probably like five to ten percent. And so one thing I guess I under, underestimated was you know actually finding these you know other ninety percent of the people somewhere online, either through forums, uh, blogs, things like that. And now that uh, now that I look back, you know, you really should start maybe six months minimum
1: in advance. Um, and That's so uh, long, I don't know if I could do that to be honest.
0: Yeah, exactly. But really, I think the groundwork probably minimum six months. Minimum three, definitely. If better six or earlier too. So I guess the catch-22 is, if you don't have the product yet, how do you actually show people too, right? Because you would think that you want some prototype and then you'd show people But So I guess you could do kind of like a landing page type of thing with the prototype and just kind of gauge interest there. But it sounds like, it doesn't sound as important as it is, I guess, but until you launch, now it's like looking back. So I really should have done that like last October, like as soon as I got the first sample, uh, that's all I should have been doing, like screw prototyping. You should have just keep blasting, looking for emails.
1: So Uh, you just set up a website and then have uh, a picture with your prototype and say, what, like, put your email in to find out information when we launch? So some people have different approaches where they do either, A, you get a free giveaway chance
0: for that, or uh, you can get, like, you know, 30% off retail or some kind of, like, link-baity type of thing, too. So the good thing, so there's one campaign I found called Harry's. I don't know, they're they're, like, a razor company. What they had was they had a limited... Uh, preview thing so they had like 50 out of 50 signups where if you sign up early it was like a press preview kit so basically what you need to do is you need to have like a small batch of samples that you can give away to people and you just have a minimum kind of like 50 accounts that you'll give away and then you just get you know press people to sign up and they'll do a preview uh, right up when it launches too so but that's a little harder to pull off because there was some custom coding they had to do on the site i'll link to the post but they
1: gave the code away too Uh, You can take a look. So, and then the second question, how do you drive traffic to that? So you have this landing page of, hey, uh, someday maybe we're going to have a Kickstarter. How do you get people there without spending a lot of money?
0: Yeah, so one way, I guess, looking back is if I was able to make like 15, 20 samples, I would just give those away to like some bloggers or whoever that had the audience and then, you know, make them do a post on this and then use that to drive traffic. That's probably what I would do. But I don't know if that works too because it's already too late. Maybe for the next campaign or We'll see.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the, the big reason I'm kind of uh, like, because I eventually want to do a Kickstarter, and it, this kind of idea of what I want people to, what, what I want other bloggers to post about, hey, go check out this guy's landing page, or would I want to wait till the Kickstarter's up and say, hey, go check out this guy's Kickstarter? And I feel like it'd be a lot better, go check out this guy's Kickstarter. So it's still like, I don't uh, fully understand how to properly drive traffic, which is. Yeah, it's a cash point, too, because if it's not live yet, they don't want to
0: promote something that's. Not even there yet, too, right? Because what if you don't even launch? It's like a waste of time for them, too. So, like, I don't really know where the balance is at, but I mean, if it's like a friend that has this, I mean, maybe there's some relationship you can build there that's the hack. But if anyone knows, uh, you know, leave it in the comments and we'd be happy to share it, too. Alrighty, so number two, uh, not having pre launch samples in people's hands. So, uh, the way I messed this up was that uh, I only had one sample, like you saw. And I think it'd be really helpful to get it, you know, 20, 30 units in people's hands. And so, the way to kind of do this is if you just ask a supplier for 30 units, uh, they'll quote you a really high price. And so the way to do it is what my friend later told me was that you actually ask for a 1,000 and then you ask for like 50 to 100 as like a sample. But you get it made at the price of a 1,000 units. And then you say uh, pending quality controls and approval by our US and EU team. Uh, then we'll move forward with it. So then you can get these samples at a good price, get them to bloggers, your friends, whatever, and then uh, kind of drum with some people to then go out to your email list uh, early on
1: yeah you give it to influencers uh, like me uh, no. <clears throat> yes. so, like,
0: so, so like you know say you want to do like a butter or something you could just make a small batch give it to friends and then they can drive people back to your website by the way you know we're gonna launch in a few months here you sign up here to get the actual you know thing and then and then it's, it's a better push than just having something in the air on like a picture too right
1: so when you make those first fifty to hundred, you give some of them away and you sell some, or you, would you just give all of them away, or how would you do that?
0: Uh, so you could. So what he says is you could use a hundred as the minimum goal for a Kickstarter. So you use the price of that one hundred units as the lowest possible tier for your Kickstarter. So say like each unit costs you know fifteen dollars to make, uh, you would set your goal at like two thousand or something like that to keep it artificially low, because then if you, if you put in a thousand orders at like 15, you got to raise like 15,000 or whatever, right? And so by doing this, you can set a really small goal and then blow past it. And you have an out too, because if you only have 100 pieces, you could just say, hey, the quality didn't meet our standards. And then, uh, you know, thanks for the orders, but we're not going to put in the extra 700 or whatever, 2000. So it gives you an out also in some ways.
1: For your Kickstarter, how many, if you do meet the $20,000 goal, how many pieces would that equate to? Uh, around 250 to 300.
0: Ish. so you know not not that much but uh, based on the rewards that's uh, kind of what comes
1: out to so and then and how would you do that then so I mean could you say yeah negotiate a price for a thousand then say we want 300 for quality control that seems like a a lot to get for just quality control yeah usually he says it's 50 to
0: 100 um, but you could just inflate the order size of 2,000 and then say you want 300 for quality control gotcha so you're, so you're getting the same amount of units whether it's 100 200 but you're just you know anchoring it with bigger order size essentially and then you're using it as like a quality control sample which is you know pretty common apparently from what he said yeah it's very yeah and then that 300 goes against the total 1000 2000 orders and then you just you know if it goes through then you buy more and if it doesn't you just kind of that's all you got to do too so really smart you know he's really experienced and i really should have figured this out too uh, in some ways. Alright, so number three, uh, not having a paid advertising campaign optimized beforehand. So I think this goes into the email listing earlier, uh, where you know if you can throw some money at paid traffic and figure out the right email conversion, uh, that's probably a good thing to launch uh, once you're live too. You could just flip that switch for the live campaign, because you know if you can optimize that, you probably have a good idea of who you're targeting in terms of the ads, and then you just drive them to the page after that too. Uh, if you can, you know, get the right signups and then, you know, the right conversions and kind of take this to the level too,
1: I think. That's a a scary thing for me to think about because you're paying people to sign up for your email list. So then hopefully they'll go to your Kickstarter. Like that has to be some uh, pretty tight, I feel like, marketing.
0: Yeah, exactly. So one thing I'm doing now is there's probably like five to eight people that I don't know who they are in the backer list. And so I stalk their profile to see who they are. And then I also email them through the back end and be like, hey, how'd you find this campaign? And they're like, oh, we found it through the discovery page or, you know, whatever. And then I'll be like, all right, these guys look like they're like in their 40s. Let me just guesstimate some demographics and then optimize from there, I guess. So I guess that's another way too. Like once you have some backers, you can try to get a profile on them. And then, you know, say you have a couple overlaps, just test different uh, ad targeting things on this group too.
1: So as soon as they back you, you get their email? Is that how it works?
0: No, as soon as they back you, you get an alert. And then uh, you don't get their email, but you can message them directly. What you can do is when you send an update, everyone gets it. So it goes. it's kinda like Amazon where you don't get the email, but anything you send is through their platform. So you can still reach out individually, but uh, some of them have like a link to their own website. Some of them don't, you know, they're like a LinkedIn, whatever, or like their own blog, things like that. And uh, you can't like, so the other thing is, I don't know if you can export the backer list and get the emails, that thing, I gotta wait till the campaign's over and see how that works Cause I right now I can't export any data yet, so we'll have to see in like 50 days or something like
1: that. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I'm. I, I don't know. I've been checking your campaign like every day, just watching the progress. It's been fun. Yeah. All right. So uh, number four, uh,
0: not reaching out to other campaigns earlier for JV. So this goes back to my friend uh, Vincent too. He was saying, look, uh, a lot of other campaigns. You know, people on Kickstarter, they like to back stuff. Generally, if they're hardcore backers, say they back, you know, 50 campaigns, 30 campaigns. They're usually into, like, supporting new things, too. And what better way to get these people than, you know, from other campaigns that have already backed similar things, right? So, for example, someone who's done, like, a belt or pants, and then, uh, say, I do a case. You know, we're not really competing, but we got a lot of similar kind of overlaps. So, one thing uh, I showed them earlier was to just reach out to these guys and be like, hey, you know, here's my campaigns coming up in two weeks. Uh, what do you guys think and you know can we do a JV I'll promote you you promote me so I'm doing that right now and it seems like you know everyone that's has a live campaign is down to it um, but you know I think there's also leverage in having old campaigns with like 4,000 people that gave them you know each 50 bucks where you know it's a really really highly targeted list and proven compared to say like you know a 10,000 email list that's just opt-in and you don't even know what the conversion rate is too whereas these are people that you know gave money and that, you know are actually you know excited about kind of Kickstarter as a whole too
1: yeah, I mean, yeah. It, my mom my might mom sign up for an friend. email list, but it'd be hard to convince her to sign up for a Kickstarter. So these are people that are like, they know what Kickstarter is. They probably are down to support another one. That's yeah, really a exactly. good idea. Yeah, and I
0: think it's just finding the right people who have a similar kind of
1: lifestyle
0: avatar for the customer. Like, say, you know, you do dance clothing, someone who does like, like this is the cork yoga mat right now uh, on Kickstarter. And I saw it's kind of cool. It's like, a, I guess, hot yoga, you sweat a lot. And yeah. current yoga mats, you kind of lose your grip exactly so apparently this one is a cork you'll cork kind of mat where it's bigger and i guess cork absorbs water a lot quicker than other things so you actually don't slip and it actually works better as it gets wet too so i thought that was kind of cool and you could just reach out to someone like that hey we'll just cross promote you and kind of things like that too
1: so, so what's in it for the like the, let's say you have someone that's doing a belt for instance and you say hey will you send this out to your email list what do they get in return well, you say, hey, I'll send it out to my backers too in the next update.
0: So the way you do it is you do it in your updates because there's a section where you go like, hey, here's what we're up to. Here's what the manufacturing is at. You know, here's some photos. And then you can say, oh, by the way, check out our friends at you know Cork Yoga Mats. And you know they're doing something cool here. You know, Here's some pictures of what they're doing and check them out here. So basically you promote them and they promote you, essentially. So you're trading email lists
1: and some The ways. only reason I'm uh, like... Really interested about it is, or sorry, the only reason I'm kind of skeptical, I guess I should say, is let's say you have 20 backers and they, you know, they've had 4,000, they're a successful campaign, you're still in the middle of it. Like if you came to me and you're like, hey, I'll send out an email blast to all 20 of the people that have uh, subscribed to my Kickstarter, will you send out to the 4,000 that have you know, subscribed to yours? It seems like a little off, you know? Yeah, well, then you could just back the campaign and be like, hey,
0: I'm a backer of your campaign. Would you mind helping out mine too? Right. So you just throw like you know, 20 bucks at them or whatever, you know, show that, you know, you're actually helping them out first. Right. Oh, so are, th- are these campaigns that are still live or are these campaigns that have finished uh, from? So you can do both. Uh, so my friend is doing one where it, it's finished. But apparently if it's both live, there's more excitement uh, for both that people, too, because like, you're both kind of in the same boat uh, in some ways, too. right? Whereas like the guy that's finished, he has, you know, he's dealing with manufacturing, things like that. So he probably doesn't really care that much, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, but I think think the key is that just like, even if you have 20 people, it's like, how do you find value that you can give to people? There's got to be something, right? And I think even like a small gesture of donating like, you know, 15 bucks or whatever, like, you know, to get access to 4,000 people, like, you know, the average per acquisition there is probably worth it. If you can get like, if you can get like two people to back yours at, you know, 10 bucks, like, or whatever. Why not? Right? And then you, you probably get a cool product too. Right. So number five, not having enough folks preview the campaign link. So uh, one issue I ran into after I launched was that I had like non-MacBook users ask me, hey, will this still fit my laptop? And actually it can because all laptops pretty much are either 13 or 15-inch now. There's kind of some oddball ones at like 14-inch or like 9-inch, but like I think the mass majority whether they using like a Dell. Uh, Asus, Acer—it's like either 13 or 15, and there's little variations where like 15.4, 15.6, but overall it still fits in a 15-inch case, uh, either way. And I, I don't think I really clarified that enough, so it probably turned some people away uh, starting out. And then I added this infographic there, where uh, you know if your laptop is this size, this model, it could still fit in this case, in that case. And if you want to double check, you know here's how you measure your screen. And the way they do it is, it's actually diagonal, so from the top right to the bottom left. And it doesn't count the border, so kind of the way laptop screens. I mean, it's kind of really weird too. So, um,
1: oh yeah, I got a thick border on my laptop. That's that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. So basically, if
0: it's a 15-inch laptop, it could be like 15.2 to 15.6, but it's a diagonal way too. So it also ends up being like you know like a few millimeters off, and what that translates into a case is that it's just a little bit tighter, but it's still it's not going to like not fit. And if you have like a weird 14-inch one you just have to buy a 15 one cause there's no 13 inch that can fit it. It's just a little, you just have to go you know, one step bigger too. And I think 14 is a little weird space to the market. If you go to like, you know, most stores, like I think 90% of the cases you find are either like 15 inch or 13 inch. And then, cause I don't think no one has the capacity to manufacture for every single size out there. It just doesn't make sense.
1: Too. Your 13 inch model, is it for the MacBook Air or the regular MacBook? So
0: one thing, the Air is really thin so we may make an air one, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I got to see how this goes. And yeah. It makes sense
1: before too. I knew about your Kickstarter, I made the mistake of buying a uh, one of those like laptop sleeves or whatever, and it comes with like foam inside uh, to like help give it space. And since the MacBook Air is so skinny, I have to keep that foam in there. Otherwise, it's just like way too loose. Like to help it fit within the sleeve, and it's
0: annoying yeah it just flop flops around in there because it's so thin it's so thin you probably just need like a not even a sleeve but like a envelope or something like that for it to fit too so it's almost I think halfway through the campaign depending how that goes we'll just do an informal survey like hey what model do you have just to give us an idea of you know what to produce because like to produce a smaller or bigger one isn't really that hard it's just knowing you know how early do you need to do it and because this because once we figure out the form factor it's pretty much done right like we're like 90 percent there we just got to do like one or two more with a 13 inch 15 inch to actually double check the size and then maybe do like air uh, if there's enough demand for that too so but then it depends on you know what how the momentum goes and what people are actually using too that we'll find out later on so kind of hard to just say up in the air because you can make it but if no one wants it well I want it. Alrighty, so uh, I think those are the five things that you should prep. Uh, one, uh, build an email list early. Uh, two, have some samples if you can, give it to people, let them sneak peek it. Three, um, try some paid ads campaigns. At least know kind of who you're targeting that you can then flip the switch on later once you have actual backers and you can optimize it some more, because then that'll constantly bring traffic for you too. Because one thing is that the blog traffic spikes a lot, whereas, like, you know, I guess paid stuff can be a little bit more consistent. Um, over time too and I think that takes time to figure out and you need a budget too all right and number four uh reach out to campaigns earlier if you're gonna do jb's uh kind of up cross collaboration updates and number five uh have folks look at your preview link uh if you can uh the cool thing is I think about 30 percent of the people that are finding it now and backing it are people I don't know which means that uh a the campaign page is working in the sense that you know it's not just friends backing it because um, you know, their friends. I mean, unlike friends backing, it's bad. But you want people who you don't know to back it, so you know there's some kind of traction out there with strangers. So, uh, the conversion rate is about two point one five percent. So we, so the way Kickstarter tells you is they give you a total amount of video views and how many people watch it to the end. So right now there's about like a thousand twenty views and twenty five percent are watching it to completion. So, um, you ballpark, you know, two percent conversion rate. But if out of the people that watch the video, say 250 people, you know, that's probably like 9 or 10%. So, I mean, so if I can get 10 people to finish the video, probably one of them will back it uh, at some level. And so the average pledge right now is around $85. And so uh, to stay on track, I really need to get, you know, probably like $400 a day uh, to hit it by like day 40 uh, or so. So I guess, uh, you know, knock on wood.
1: And I recommend watching the video all the way to completion. If you've ever ever wondered what it sounds like to hear Terry singing, you need to go watch that video.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I threw that in because I was like, man, uh, I got to have some kind of hook here to make people laugh. Otherwise, it's going to be, like, oh, yeah, it's just another stupid campaign. So I'm not going to tell you what it is, but just watch it. And, uh, yeah, hope you like it.
1: Check out the video for sure, yeah. yeah. All
0: right, so with that being said, I will catch you guys next week, and hopefully we'll do better, and uh, we'll see how this goes uh,
1: in a couple weeks.